Good morning, gentlemen. You know, I, 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 I must be one of the most blessed guys here. I don't know. I don't, know, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder, but I'm getting preyed on so much. You all must think I need it. <laughs> but I do. I, I, I completely just uh, crave your prayer. You know, it's been said if you uh, don't like the pastor that you've got, if you want a different pastor, then start praying that God would change your pastor's heart, right? And uh, I, I just, I, I love it that I'm receiving so much prayer, and, and I pray by the grace of God that uh, I would decrease and he would increase, and that his Holy Spirit would be speaking to each and every one of you today. And in that, I take great comfort in the Word of God, because we know the Word of God is alive, it's active, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's doing heart surgery on every single one of us. And so as long as we stick safely to that rock, that solid foundation that we have and what God has said, the truth that sets us free, we're in a great place. And so I take comfort in that. And I take comfort that I'm surrounded by a bunch of men just like me, just like Elijah, just like Paul. Mortals, God knows our frame, we're but dust. And yet God loves us so much that he breathes into us his Holy Spirit. And then day by day, grace by grace, glory by glory, he starts that work of conforming us into the image (laughs) of his son. That's an amazing thing. That's a wonderful, awesome, beautiful, terrifying, amazing thing. And here we are, the beneficiaries of his great grace, his great love, his great mercy, and his great Patience. I love what Jackie was sharing last night that Paul, in recognizing all of these different things in his life, would be able to say, and here I am, chief of sinners. You know who he was talking to when he said that? He was talking to Timothy. It was some of his last instructions to Timothy. And I just love that, that father-son relationship that he had with Timothy. And here he is, the mighty And no doubt, the mighty Apostle Paul, amazing man. And yet, with his son in the faith, with his brother in the faith, with his fellow warrior in the faith, he's able to open up and be transparent and go, dude, you know me. You've been with me. You've seen me from the first day you laid eyes on me back in Lystra. You've watched me. You know me. You know my frame. You know what I made up. You know my weaknesses. And and you know, I am at least by my own reckoning, chief of sinners. And yet it goes on to say, Paul says, that Christ has done this in me. (laughs) And I love this part, because I own this verse, that he might show his patience (laughs) through me. Right? He he picked a knucklehead like me, because he wants to show off and say, look, (laughs) look how patient I am with Mike, or fill in your own name. That's why, you're, that's why you're chosen. He loves you, but also you make a really good illustration. And we're going to be looking at that illustration this morning. I, I, was, I was thinking last night, you know, I, I heard about some of you buzzsaws that were uh, working it up last night. Dave was talking about only getting three hours of sleep last night. And I'm wondering if any of y'all might be a little t- tired, a little weary. And uh, just along the ideas of, of this this gathering, we're, we're referring it to it as unstoppable, uh, 
I, I, I'm a kook. I like to collect odd knowledge and stuff. And I came across this, and it kind of touched my heart. While we were sleeping last night, <laughs> if you want to say motionless, stopped in our bed, or even while you're sitting here this morning, you do understand that while you're sitting right there, you're riding this rock we call the earth. And this rock is rolling, right? It's revolving around its axis at a thousand miles an hour to the east. It's like going over the top of a giant roller coaster at a thousand miles an hour. And that's what was happening last night while you were sleeping. If you got three hours sleep, you've gone 3,000 miles since I saw you last. Didn't lift a finger, right? But that's only the beginning, right? Because while this rock is rolling, it's also orbiting. And it's orbiting the sun at 64,000 miles an hour. But while this whole rock and roll show is going on, the whole package, our solar system, is moving across the Milky Way galaxy at 67,000 miles an hour. And yet here we are out in this arm of the Milky Way galaxy, rolling 1,000 miles an hour, orbiting 64,000 miles an hour, moving across the galaxy at 67 miles an hour, but the whole galaxy itself is spinning around its center, that little black hole in the middle of this whole galaxy at 385,000 miles an hour. And yet, while this is all going on within our Milky Way galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy itself is moving across God's universe at 1,350,000 miles an hour. So if you're a little tired, it's understandable. <laughs> and part of the reason I bring that up is just, just to kind of give you a sense, if you don't have that sense, that this show is going on. God spoke this show into being. In the beginning was God. And God spoke. Let there be light. <laughs> Out of his mouth. 186,000 miles per second. Ferocious light. Stars <laughs> being birthed. Right? And light was. And this show is going. The question is, are we on board? Are we asleep at the wheel? And that's a little bit of what I want to be looking at this morning. So I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 14. Now, as we come to Acts chapter 14, not only have you been rolling 1,000 miles an hour, orbiting 64,000 miles an hour, crossing the galaxy at 67,000 miles an hour, as you spin around its center at 385,000 miles an hour, as the galaxy is moving across the universe at a million three hundred fifty thousand miles an hour but since last night you've actually gone 10 years because in acts chapter 9 when paul met jesus now 10 years have transpired in acts chapter 14 he's gone from that encounter with jesus in damascus and right after that Man, he's fired up, and what's the first thing he does? What's the first thing anybody wants to do when they meet Jesus? Tell the world. He goes up to Jerusalem. But everybody's there is like, nope, don't want to have anything to do with that cat. So he goes back to Damascus. Then from Damascus, it's like, man, there's no place for me. He goes out to Arabia. Three years, he and the Lord in the desert. 
totally just alone. And from there, he ends up going back to Tarsus, the town he grew up in. And he's there for quite a chunk of time. Six, seven years. Interesting little note. Anybody read about the church of Tarsus? What's up with this guy? The hero! (laughs) Paul! And yet, he's in God's will. He's in Christ. He's on the road. He's out living for the Lord. And yet, whose show is it? Is it it Paul's? It's the Lord's, right? And, And so, these ten years have passed. And then finally, Barnabas, who knew Paul comes hunting for him. He finds him in Tarsus and says, man, we got some work we need to do. You need to come back to Antioch with me. And so there they go back to Antioch in Syria. And we read the story uh, in chapter 13. The Holy Ghost falls on the elders. They're all in this huge prayer meeting like we were this morning. And God says, those two guys, Barnabas and Saul, you need to send those guys out. Get on the road. Go tell the world about me. And so they obey. And they go, right? And they go through Cyprus and they meet up with this guy, uh, Bar-Jesus, like Elimus, and he's like this total fraud, this imposter. And Paul calls him out and he says, you're going to be blind. And sure enough, he loses his sight. Sergius Paul, uh, um, oh, I just lost his name. Sergius, the, the uh, governor of the island, he becomes a, Paulus, yeah, <laughs> he becomes a convert, a Christian. He believes and they move their roadshow, then they head on up to what is now the country of Turkey, right on the northeast end of the Mediterranean there, and they land in Perga, and they're working their way up through Pamphylia. They finally come to the city of Antioch of Pisidia. He stays there for a long time. That's chapter 13, and we get this great sermon that Paul preaches, probably a prototype of many of the sermons that he would have preached as he went down the road. But this one is a classic example. It's recorded for us. And and we get the whole story, the nut of it being Christ crucified, risen, Lord and Savior. And this is the message. This This is the string on Paul's guitar as he goes from town to town. Christ crucified, died in my place, risen Lord in power and glory. And this is the message that Paul brings. Well, I'm going to pick you up then here at chapter 14, verse 1. Now it happened. He had been, I'll back up just a little bit. I'm going to go to 1349. It says, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the region, but, (laughs) these big buts that keep showing up in the Bible. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Same thing Jackie shared last night and we all have experienced it. Man, you step up for Christ and the devil steps up against you. And persecution arises, right? And it says, and they expelled him from their region, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with Joy and the Holy Spirit. Ten years he's been walking on with the Lord. Now I know last night we were talking about that conversion experience, that time we meet the Lord. But you know, this is how it works. You come to know the Lord, you confess him as Lord and Savior, and you begin that walk. One foot in front of the other. You're going to be walking that walk the rest of your life here on earth. You do understand that. And it's just going to continue on. You'll be on the road with Jesus all the way till he brings you home to glory. 
And so Paul's been doing this for 10 years now. And as they are in this city and having tremendous ministry, it says in Antioch that the Jews were jealous because there were more people. The whole city, it said, turned out. The whole city came to hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jews and Gentiles and, and pagans and everybody was there and the Jews got jealous. So they stirred up persecution, sent them out of town. But how did they respond? With joy. Why? It says the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You see, and this is, this is the key to becoming unstoppable, is you got to get on the Jesus train. you got to get in Christ. You've got to get on board with the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be a rocker. It's going to be a roller. It's going to have its ups and downs, and it's never going to end. I've been talking with a couple of you. And you're looking at decisions in your life. You're at a point in your life today, right now, as you're sitting here, and there's there's options out in front of you. There's decisions that need to be made for you. Maybe you're going through even a crisis of your life right now. I mean, a huge deal. I've talked with some of you. Not little stuff. Big stuff. Just know that regardless of whatever it is that you're in and you're facing, in Christ, you're on the road. And you're going to ride through this one. And you're going to come out the other side. And you're going to ride into another one. And you're going to be doing that the rest of your life. Now, that's either good news or bad news. <laughs> Depending on how you feel about where you're at right now with the Lord. Not always so much of an encouragement. But do you understand that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy, you know where this train's going. You know this train's taking you home. Just like <laughs> Billy Graham. Right? We know he, he, he's fought his fight. He's finished the race. He's crossed the finish line. He had said, you're going to read someday that I've died. Don't believe him. I'm more alive now than I've ever been. Amen? Amen? So, yeah, I consider the sufferings of this world not to compare to the great weight of glory that awaits us. And so they leave this city, and it says in verse 1 of 14, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that the great multitude, both the Jews and the Greeks, believed. Hallelujah. You know, it's up the roller coaster, down the roller coaster. Here they are on the top again. But <laughs> the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brethren. And down the roller coaster. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done in their hands. Awesome. Amazing. Right? You get out there and you stand on that rock, that foundation, the word of God, and God will follow that up confirming that word in the hearts of the people that are listening, and they're going to see things in their life. Answer to prayer. God moving on their behalf. And this is all happening, verse 4. But <laughs> the multitude of the city was divided, and part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles, and, there was, and when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. Man, it got too hot, time to get out of Dodge. Just as Jesus said, man, 
If they reject you in this city, leave, go another. Shake the dust off your feet. Flee. Some of you guys are probably in a place right now, you've been walking on with the Lord, and whatever it is that you are a part of, even though God has done sign and wonders there, God has confirmed his word there, God has built you up in a ministry, maybe your ministry is your family, your wife, your children, what you're doing out in the community, your witness that you use through your work, and all those kinds of things. And sometimes, we got to change course. Things aren't actually happening the right way. And I know that's happening in this room with some of us today. It's going to happen in this room with all of us somewhere, somehow, along this ride. And they change course. And he flees. And he leaves Iconium. And I think, you know, as I thought about this message, we, we got together. When was it we first started talking about this? Was it September, October, something like that? Right? And we're like, unstoppable, unstoppable. So, I mean, I've been, I, unstoppable has been on my heart now for months and months. And I have to admit, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of unstoppable, mine is like action heroes. Jackie's talking last night, right? Hearing the battle cry, action hero. And I'm thinking, I'm going to this men's advance because men don't, right? And we're going to be action heroes, right? And I'm, we're up here at Soldier Mountain. You know, you think it's like Bruce Willis. Right? Die hard. I'm not feeling so die hard myself, but okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with the guys that have beards. You know? <laughs> or you think of uh, some of these other guys that we hear about, right? The Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Terminator or Mel Gibson and Braveheart, right? William Wallace, right? Like these Viking kind of guys. These were Scotsmen, right? But right, it's just like buff, burly dudes wielding these swords and battle axes and and man, unstoppable. And you get all these visions in your head of what unstoppable is going to be like. And then you come to the men's advance and you realize you didn't pack a towel, you didn't pack shampoo. And so you got to take your shower this morning with Himalayan pink salt and water lily. You seen that in your bathrooms? And I'm feeling a little unheroic. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Did somebody else do that? Okay. <laughs> but then we think of all these heroes, and I think, man, those guys are on movie sets. You know, the director says, action, and they go out and they do this rehearsed battle scene and everything. Okay, cut, print, you're right. They go back to their trailer and they just lounge and relax, and it's not real. But there is a real action hero Paul, the apostle. And yet, when you think of a real action hero, you're probably not thinking pink Himalayan salt and water lily, but you're probably not thinking about Paul. While we think of Paul, look what, the, what, what, what Paul is described at, right? In 2 Corinthians, he, he, mar he remarks, he says, you consider my letters weighty, but in person you say, I'm unimpressive. Not all that in person. Same that they said with Jesus Christ, right? There was nothing about him in his physical appearance that we should be drawn to him, right? That, 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 that aura that he puts off, that persona that he has, man, he's just an average guy. Elijah, Jesus, Paul, Jackie, Dave, Brian, right? Fritz, <laughs> we're not all that. 
Interesting, in the scriptures it talks about Paul, or not the scriptures, but in early, early writings, there's, there's actually a written down kind of a description of Paul. And this is what the description goes like. He says, a man of middling size, his hair was scanty, his legs were crooked, his knees far apart. He had a large eyebrow that met in the middle, and he had a long hook nose and beady eyes. He's kind of this skinny little dude, if you will. Um, kind of skinny, short, balding, bow-legged, with a bushy brow over beady eyes and a bent beak. Is that who you think of when you think of an action hero? Is that who you think of when you think of Paul? But, you know, as best we have, that was a description of him and what he looked like in person. There's something more that goes on in this person of Paul that causes us to look at him and think unstoppable. Because we know he finished his race. Like Billy Graham. He says, I have fought the good fight. And now I'm being poured out like a drink offering. His day to go into glory is at hand. He finished. He persevered to the end. Now, I know a lot of us, and I'm speaking to me more than anybody else in this room, we may have started well, but I've stumbled along the way. And it's my heart's greatest desire that I finish well. I I need whatever it takes to get me to the finish line. I need to get on that train. I need to get in this orbit. I need to get on this story that God has set in motion. I want to be part of what He's doing there. And so they left there in Iconium. And it says, And they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. Verse 8, And in Lystra... Now this is where, by the way, Timothy comes from, is Lystra. Okay? So Timothy would have had opportunity to witness this event. In Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, or heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. (laughs) That's bold. That's faith. But you see, Paul looked in this guy. He had been there preaching there in Lystra, probably in the marketplaces and at the forum. And and, uh, as you notice, there's this guy that came out and he was always there, just sitting there from birth. Congenitally, he was not able to walk. Same thing with Peter and John at the Gate Beautiful back in the early chapters of Act, right? And virtually the same type of thing. Silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And this guy jumped up. And the people were amazed. Who wouldn't be, right? What an amazing thing. Let me ask you, has that ever happened to actually any of you here? Because it, it can, it could, right? I, I can't tell you. I, going into St. Luke's, we go in there sometimes to visit with different people that are, you know, for whatever reason, heart attack, traffic accident, or whatever. And I love it because some of the staff there in the intensive care ward, they'll come up to me and they'll say, you know, we see miracles here. When we see this guy that's laying in that bed, they say, don't lose hope. 
We see things that are beyond explanation of the medical profession. God does heal. And in fact, I've had privileges being across the planet in different places to see things that are absolutely amazing. People that have stopped breathing, no heartbeat, coming back to life. People with four-stage cancer with just a couple days left to live, instantly healed and still laughing and chuckling today, decades later. God does these things. But part of it is, do we have the courage? Do we have the faith? Do we have the boldness? Do we hear the battle cry to stand up and, 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 and encourage people in the name of Jesus? Whatever you're doing right here, right now, today, whatever's going on in your life back home, stand up, walk, and watch what God can do. And so he does that. And the people freak out. <laughs> I mean... It's pretty amazing. And so it says, Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language. So Paul and, and Barnabas wouldn't have really understood this babble. They would have been speaking Greek in that part of the world. But they didn't get the Lyconian. And so they're saying the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus. And Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker then the priests of zeus whose temple was in front of their city brought oxen and garlands to the gates intending to sacrifice with the multitudes but when the apostles barnabas and paul heard this they tore their clothes and ran into the multitude crying out and saying men why are you doing these things we are also men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living god who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all the things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Rock and roll road show, right? One minute up, next minute down. I hope you like roller coasters because <laughs> it's a thrill ride when you get on board with Jesus, right? And, and I, just take encouragement in that. I, I love it. Uh, my pastor, his, his wife, who's gone on to be with the Lord, she would always say, you know, as you go through life, don't forget to throw up your hands and say, wee! She died of cancer. She said that while she was dying. Don't forget to throw your hands in the sky and shout out for Jesus, right? You're on the ride of a lifetime. <laughs> You're on the rock and roll road show. <laughs> and, and this is almost what happened with Paul and Barnabas here. They came into this town, and, and there's a little backstory on this, okay? They came into Lyconia, and the legend goes... Long before Paul and Barnabas ever arrived in this town, in fact, long before the people that ever lived in that town, there's a legend that the gods, Zeus and Hermes, or you could say Jupiter and Mercury, came down from heaven and visited the people of Phrygia in this region. And they went to a thousand different homes, but none of the people were hospitable and would have Zeus and Hermes into their house. 
But finally they got to the house of Philemon and Bacchus, this old couple, peasant couple, farmers, and they came to their cottage and they welcomed them in and gave them hospitality. And because of their hospitality, Zeus and Hermes turned Philemon and Bacchus into trees. Two trees. And they turned their cottage into this temple to Zeus, white marble domed in gold, an amazing edifice. But all those people that rejected them, they turned into frogs. And so now, here comes Paul and Barnabas into town. They speak a word in the name of Jesus Christ and the miraculous happens. And they're thinking, this is a visit. This is a, a revisit from the gods. And we're not going to make the same mistake we did last time. We don't want to become frogs, right? And so they go and they tell the chief priest or the priest of the temple of Zeus and they bring out the oxen and they've got them all covered up with garland and everything and ready to just have this great celebration and sacrifice to these. They look at Barnabas and he's kind of the tall, stoic, reserved, proper guy, right? We know Barnabas is, is, you know, Barney. He's son of encouragement is what his name means. And he's right there beside Paul. And then there's fiery little Paul, right? Bow-legged, beady-eyed, right? And, and, and he's just out there preaching the gospel, just like Hermes, Mercury, the messenger for, for the great god Zeus. And so they assume that these two guys are going to have this great sacrifice action. And Paul and Barnabas tear their robes and like, no, 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 we're not gods. You got this all wrong. Tell you what, gentlemen. If you think the trials in your life, if you think the rocks in your life, if you think rolling along with the Lord is hard, try being a God sometime. And I'm not, I, I am joking, little God. But isn't that what we, as human creatures, do? We want to get on our own throne. We want to call our own shots. We want to know what the future is going to be. We want to decide our future. We want to write our calendar. We want to write the script. We want to be the action hero in our own epic movie. And that's one of the most dangerous places you can be. I, I was reading up on this, and I don't know what. I get onto these little trails. Like I said, I was a kook, a collector of odd knowledge. And as I'm reading about some of this, you know, there's Captain James Cook in the late 1700s. He took his ships, the uh, Endeavor and Discovery, and he charted all over the Pacific uh, Islands, right? He went from the South Pacific all the way up to Siberia and uh, the Bering Straits. And, and in his journeys, actually <laughs> towards the very end, actually the very end, he came to a group of islands he nicknamed the Sandwich Islands. And while he was at the Sandwich Islands, a.k.a. Hawaii, he went in there for provision and things like that. It happened to be a festival of the god Rona. And so as he came on land, this is some of the first white people they had ever seen, white-skinned people, and they started saying, Irona, Irona, and started virtually worshiping Cook and his crew. And so they were able to stock up on supplies, take advantage of the uh, maidens in the area, all these different kinds of things, receiving all the adulation and thinking, this is groovy right? And they sailed back out to sea. They got in a storm, had to come back into coast, and they didn't realize that it was the great holiday for Rona, so everybody was like cool about it. But when the holiday was over and they sailed back into shore, they recognized that Cook was a fraud, not a god, and they cooked Cook. That's part of the story, right? One of his first mates was able to sail away, a guy by the name of William Bly, 
You might know him from Mutiny on the Bounty. He died later <laughs> offcast from that. But this is all part of the story, right? And, and when you find yourself in these moments of great exhilaration, and God is doing miracles, even if you might say by your hands, through your words, you preach into somebody's life, you share Jesus Christ with somebody, and man, they become a new creation. That's awesome. Right before your eyes. But there's a tendency to get puffed up and this was happening here this great tendency for paul and barnabas man how if they were like regarded as gods boy they would have everybody's ears could they really preach to them now whatever they said these people would have to do but they recognized we're not god they tore their robes right and 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 all this just kind of came crashing down on them i remember when i was a young man it was 79 or 80, something like that, in my before Christ days. And I went to the L.A. Forum to see the who. Anybody know who I'm talking about? A couple of you old guys, right? Okay. Yeah, Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey, and these guys, right? Back in the day, they were, quote, rock gods, okay? We even called them that back in the day. That, I mean, and there was, this, was the age of these huge rock bands, epic rock bands. And so I'm stoked to go see them here in this packed out stadium but they had an opening act you might have heard of them too Def Leppard okay but nobody knew about Def Leppard you see this is way before internet this is way before you can google them and figure out who they are we heard them on the radio that's what we used to have back in those days was radio and um so we're going to the concert and we hear the noise and all and we think okay so this is the opening act this is going to be good but we're going to see the who world record books for the loudest concerts you go deaf listening to him literally for days after you can't hear a thing huh huh i went to the who concert what'd you say deaf leopard comes on stage had no idea how to prepare for this and they're like dressed in spandex lycra i mean this is the age of jeans and white t-shirts right or black and all of a sudden these guys come up and they've got these cute little scarves draped from their arms and their mic stands and they got this big hair, and, and we weren't prepared for all of it. I don't know why I'm on this tangent, but it's all of this fake rock god stuff, right? And I remember there at the L.A. Forum, all we had was like paper cups and stuff like that, but they didn't get through the third song, and we booed them off the stage, pelted them with all the stuff we could get. And any of, any of the generations that came after me is like, really, you guys booed Def Leppard off the stage? Yeah. They were posers. They were sissies. They were weenies. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I'm saying all that to f make fun on myself, right? And, 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 and realize that, man, I wasn't getting this program. But these guys were prancing in there as though they were something. Well, it was redeemed, okay? Pete Townsend's up there doing the guitar thing and all that, right, Fritz? And I mean, it's like, it's a quite a show. But, you know, the genuine from the, the fake... And this is something that happens in our life. Ten years into this, Paul's walking on with the Lord. He's been to Arabia. He's been to Tarsus. He's been to Antioch. He's been to Jerusalem. He's been up there in Antioch, Pisidia. The biggest crowd in town has come to hear him preach. And now he's in this other town. Miracles are being done. And everybody's exalting him as a God. He and Barnabas. And they tear their clothes. And he gives them the second sermon. I like this. The first sermon... Paul reasoned with the Jews in the synagogue from the scriptures, but here he just talks about that God that we all know. The God who reigns on the just and the unjust alike. The God who just meets us where we are. 
And he shares that with them. Well, his message didn't go over so well this time. It says in verse 19, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. These people that would dog Paul everywhere he went. But remember, he was one of those guys. He was the prototype for these guys. He was following Christians from Jerusalem to Damascus with papers to arrest him and take him down and have him tortured and murdered. And so now what's he getting? A little bit of what he gave. And as we go into our Christian life and we become a Christian, we start walking with the Lord and some people do and some people don't. But you probably got that family member, you got that friend from high school, you got somebody there that just dogs you wherever you go. And they're like, I know you. I remember you and you were before Christ days. And they can't help but tell the stories. They love just, they relish in saying, you are just, you know, you're dirt, you're a sinner, you're not a pastor, you're not a Christian, you're a a fake. And it's like, no, I'm a sinner, saved by grace, just walking on in the light of God. I just got on his train. I got off that train and I'm going to heaven now. And these guys, they're dogging him and it says, they came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead man now this is gnarly remember jackie shared this so i won't go through all of this but in second corinthians chapter uh, 12 he goes through this list of things that he's been through in his life now that letter was written after this time so some of those things wouldn't have happened yet but some of them already have happened and no doubt he was beaten so when you add to this vision of Paul, right? This short, bald, beady-eyed, hook-nosed, bushy-browed, bow-legged dude on fire for the Lord, you can also add scars all over his body because he's been ripped and torn by the lash. And those would leave scars. And then they would do it again. He would say in the end of the book of Galatians, this is Galatia he's at right now, Iconium, Lister, Derby. This is the area. He says, you know me. You've seen me. I bear in my body the marks, the stigmata, the brand of Christ. When God made me his own, he branded me. And you start going through life as we head to glory with these marks on your body. Anytime Paul would have come into town, they would have looked. And you know, if you know anything about scars, right? That scar tissue doesn't flex and everything like it does. Scar upon scar upon scar. And you can take this old man and you can also probably imagine his body's just, his back is just stiff and covered with all that. This is that guy. Well, here we see him stoned. Stoned like a vicious mob. Not the um, nice stoning like they would do to Timothy where he was saying, yeah, stone him. There they would take and throw him off a tall precipice, like 14 feet tall. So when they hit the ground, they were stunned. And then they would take large rocks and throw it upon him. And the end would come relatively quickly. But here, these are people just picking up everything like there's a wild wolf that's coming to town. And they're pelting him from every which way. And you know, Paul is just getting hammered, right? In the face, in the forehead, on the back, in the, you know, everywhere. He's just getting cut up and tore up. And he would have carried these marks with him forward from that. So you're marked up. So you're beat up. Welcome to the Action Hero Club. Because that's what it's like. It's a rough 
rough ride, right? We look at these Bruce Willis's, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, Mel Gibson's, right? These William Wallace's, these brave hearts. And man, it's, it's not easy, right? We, 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 we love celebrating their victory, but at what price? I mean, you're going you're gonna to have to give your life up. You're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to lay it down. You're going to have to count your life as nothing. As Paul would say, I count all these things as rubbish that I might know him. The power of his resurrection. Woohoo! And the fellowship of his suffering that I might be conformed to his death, even the death of the cross. But one thing I do, forgetting all these other things, I press on. I press on. Because there's a prize waiting for me. And I'm going to keep going for that prize. That prize that comes in Christ Jesus. And so he's stoned, dragged out of the building. Interesting kind of thing in 2 Corinthians, and I won't go into it for, for, for length of time, but Again, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, Paul says something, and, and this may or may not bear on this moment. Nobody knows for a fact, but he says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. There are at least five different places in the scriptures, in the book of Acts or in his letters, where he said he met God, right? When he was on his way to Rome and the ship, and the ship was about to break up, and God met him and said, don't worry, you're not going to die. And all these people on the ship, they're not going to die either. When he was about to go into Jerusalem, where the mob was going to apprehend him, he would be arrested and start this whole journey. God spoke to him again and says, this isn't for your end. You're going to speak to kings. Keep going. And he met with God, and he met with God, and he met with God, and God met with him and encouraged him and strengthened him. That's part of what Dave's talking about this morning. Meeting with God. Getting that word from God. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for your life. God's got marching orders for your life. God's got a battle cry for your life. Stop and listen. What do you want me to do? Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Isn't that why we men took time off from our families, took time off from our work, took some money out of our pocket and came here to gather amongst people that we can hear from God? Is that not what we're here for? God has a word for you. He's got a word for you today. He's got a word for you to give to another brother while you're here. And we gather to hear the battle cry. We gather to hear the word of God. And it says it's doubtless not profitable to boast, but I receive revelation of the Lord. I says, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, probably, but I don't know, 100%, speaking of this moment right now while he's laying on the ground. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. That means ultimately the very presence of God. Same place Billy Graham is right now. He says, and I know such a man whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. 
For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Man, I'm just a regular guy. But I'll tell you what, 14 years ago, I got rocked. My whole world got rocked. I was stoned. I was left for dead. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Did I die? I don't know. But I do know this, I met Jesus. I entered into the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed into the image of his death. I, I, I understood what it's like to be crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. And as I'm laying on that ground, I'm there with Jesus. And whoever you are here today who is in that place where you are just pelted and piled on and your world is being rocked, just know, Jesus is right here with you. He's right here in the middle of it. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians, speaking about that event, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and approaches in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You want to be unstoppable? Get off your train. Get on his train. Get on that train that he spoke into motion. That train which he moves through the universe with. I, I, I love this. The same God who has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us, the same God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. We read in Colossians, the same God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin. I love this. It says in verse 15 of Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by Him all things were created. He spoke. And light was. He started the earth spinning a thousand miles an hour, and it spins to this day. It says that all things that are in heaven were created and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's a Greek word, syneko, and it means he holds them together in his power. The earth spinning. You didn't do anything about that, but you've gone thousands of miles since last night. That's God's doing. His story from the beginning of creation continues forward. It's not your doing. It's already in progress. It's like when Paul and Barnabas walked into this town and they're celebrating these funky gods, right? And, and they're like, what's up with that? The story's already in motion. You're walking into it in progress. And even when you leave this place, 
You're going to walk back out into his story. You're going to walk back into your life. You're going to walk into your family, your friends, your work. And the story's going to be coming down. And what do you do? You walk in. And you preach Christ. Rise up and walk. We worship the risen Lord. And some people are going to pick up stones and stone you. But that's how the story goes. And they got their ideas of who God is. And you know who you're talking about. But you're going to have all of these things happen in your life. But you're going to witness to that son of love. Through whom everything was created. And whom everything, Suneco, consists. Is held together. Another word translated for that is compelled. In fact, Paul uses that. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, and this I believe is the motive for what got him up off that ground. He says in verse 14, for the love of Christ, Seneco, holds us together. For it's in the love of Christ, in Christ, that we consist. It's in the love of Christ that compels us. Because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Amen? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's not rocket science, right? You want to live? You want to ride out this show? You want to finish well? You need to be in Christ, right? And it's in him, and it's in his love, that son of love who created all of this, that we're held together. And that is what compels us to go forward. That's what compels us to get up off the ground. Verse 21 of chapter 14, and we're wrapping up right now. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples... (laughs) I just love that. Or I guess I, I should back up. I didn't, I didn't quite get to verse 20, okay? They stoned him and dragged him out of the city and supposed him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the whole story right there. You have got to be kidding me. They just stoned you and you walk back in there? Are you nuts? But think about this. (laughs) They think they left him dead. They walk back into town. We took care of that loser. They look over his shoulder and here he comes again. It's what we call unstoppable. It's not a movie. This is real life. And whatever it is that's beating on you today, whatever is stoning you, whatever it is that's beating you down, the world's looking at you and saying, you trust in Christ? What do they even say to Jesus? Come down off that cross. If you're really the Christ, right? And yet they look over their shoulders a couple days later, and there he is, risen. It's the same, right? That's the God we serve. That's the God we worship. And that's the God who calls us to him, in whom we consist. Because we're part of that all things created. And it's him who gives us that resurrection power. And we stand back up and they look over our shoulders and they're like, dope. Whoa, what's this all about? Now they've got their ear. Now they've got an audience. Now you have an audience. 
Now you can talk to your brother-in-law who's watched you get beat up and come out the other side standing for Christ. And he'll be saying, man, I don't know what it is, but I want to hear. What's your story? What, what is this Jesus thing all about? And you give an opportunity one more time, another time to share. And so they, they, he rose up and went to the city and the next day they departed with Barnabas and went to Derbe, the next town down. Then the Jews from Antioch, and uh, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. They, they, they did a, a reunion tour. They're back in town, right? This rock and roll road show. You remember me? I'm the guy that you threw rocks at. Look at my face. Look at the scars. The wounds are barely healing. Here I am again. And you can't deny the story that he has. And they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord in whom he had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Two years out on the road, and they're back home in their home church. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. God's writing his story, and you're part of it. And he wants you to get into the battle. He wants you to hear the battle cry. And go out there. And look at your hero, the author, and the finisher of your faith, Jesus Christ who for the joy set before him despised the shame and endured the cross. There's coming a day where he's going to welcome you in to his home. So I just encourage all of you, right? This business of being unstoppable, like Jackie said, at first you have to stop. You have to stop whatever it is that you're doing in your world, as Dave said, the eyes, the idols, the things, you need to surrender to God. From there, the show begins. And you go from a convert to a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Get on the train. But even from disciple, and I would encourage a lot of you men here today, from disciple to apostle, to a person with a commission to go out into the world and share Jesus Christ, through your work, through your family, through your church, your fellowship, your ministries, through your example, through your endurance, through your perseverance, through your patience. When you get stoned, just recognize, here I am in that same place that Christ was. And as Christ is risen, you rise again. You rise in Christ and you will be unstoppable and you will rejoice just like Paul, just like Billy Graham, and there's a welcoming awaiting you in heaven. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. And I'm going to pray for the meal as well because that's about to be served. And so if you'll just join your hearts with me, please. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, that you have uh, completed everything necessary for our victory, Lord. You've won our salvation. You, Lord, have given us your Holy Spirit. 
Lord, you've empowered us and enlisted us into your story. You've given us opportunity to share, Lord, not only in the power of your resurrection, but you've given us opportunity to share in the fellowship of your suffering. That when the world beats us down, we rise up again in testimony of you, the risen Lord, who lives in our hearts. So I pray right now, Lord, for every soul in this building, the men who have come to this conference, the people who are hosting us today, their children, every precious soul, Lord, that you would just fall on this place and meet every single one of us here in a very real and personal way. Speak, Lord, now, today. You've got our attention, Lord. Give us our marching orders. Help us, Lord, to walk in love and hope in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we do now dismiss this time into fellowship, into the breaking of bread. And we ask, Lord, your blessing on that as well. Bless those who have prepared it and are serving it to us. Bless the food to nourish our bodies, Lord, to give us health, we pray. And for some brothers in here, I pray for healing and health. Touch them. Move on them. Give us strength to serve you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.